The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, today we're going to be talking about the power of positive communication and That may sound like a softball, but you know what? This is a really important topic because, uh, number one, staying positive is a magnet for your life. A lot of people have trouble um, connecting to other people. And the reason is is because there is so much negativity in our communication styles and so much, um, you know, sarcasm and satire. You know, it's it's almost like we are too sensitive uh, out there in this world. You know, as, as you grow up, you acquire opinions, mostly by adopting the views of people around you. So, you know, then all of a sudden, as you get older, you learn that there are people out there who have lots of different opinions. And at some point, you have to start engaging those people. And sometimes it's difficult to reason with some of them. Some some people talk with all of their emotions. They vent quite a bit. And other people talk with their thoughts. And those that talk with their thoughts are usually a little more held back a little less engaging and a little less uh, uh, stable in a conversation. And so what happens is we don't understand how to communicate. And, you know, I'm not talking about uh, with positive communication, blowing smoke up somebody's butt. You know, the truth is we just want to be able to be able to engage the better parts of people. And if you want to motivate people to change, if you want to focus their attention, if you want to provide them goals, if you want to help their life and influence them in some way, you have to maintain positivity even through conflict. You know, everybody has their own opinion. Everybody has their own perception of the world. And so part of our job as we get older is to become understanding that we're not all going to agree and that's okay so what we do is we just simply validate their communication that means i understand okay so what you're telling me is this we don't have to offer our own point of view back back to them but what we want to do is focus on the positive of what they're trying to communicate and what their intentions are you know to open people's minds you have to establish a very common humanity with other people. When, when you're discussing a controversial issue with someone and start to see that you're coming at a crossroads, look for an opportunity to say something like, ah, okay, so we see things differently. This is good. You know, when we were young, we didn't believe anything one way or another about these issues. We're, we're each uh, brought up by adults who taught us what was good and what was bad and and as we grow up, we each holds, uh, held on to some of those things that was taught to us by our parents. And, you know, changing our minds 
over time means that we form our own opinions. Sometimes people just espouse what they've learned rather than take on their own opinions. And that's why we can't always uh, find ourselves in a serious argument with people because not all the time do they firmly believe what they're talking about. They're just skeptical or they're offering something up because they learned it. You know, um, by default, we tend to see a person who has different points of views as an opponent. And we fall into a debate uh, frame with them. And, and that pattern sets up communication, et- what uh, communication experts call a dialogue frame. You know, it highlights the similarities we have with our discussion partner and it creates a larger context in which two people, two souls, each of which is simply trying to make as much sense of the world as they can, come together and compare notes on an important issue. And that is a, a, a thing that leads to this next story. Start with stories, not reasons. When we talk, you know, we might continue the above pattern in, in this way, but, you know, ask people, how, how did you form this current perspective? You know, don't ask for their reasons. Ask, them, ask their story. Ask their story. If you don't agree with them, ask where did they get that opinion because they will come back and try to engage you in that way and then you'll have a better chance to understand their perspective and their influences and their prejudices. You know, as as another person talks, it's important to to imagine what it might have been like to be in their shoes as they were growing up figuring out things and trying to understand why it makes sense for them to see things as they do. You know, as we understand perspectives, we can learn from people that we don't agree with. You know, and, and you also have the right, once they have told their story, to tell your story and tell it in a, in a way in which how you came to your perspective and, and try not to overstate your, your evidence and try not to sell it to be right, but it's only to learn. And your conversations, if they're with people, are about learning, not about being right. And a lot of people have problems with control. And by the way, the next show is going to be on control freaks. And, and basically, that need to control means they need to be right. You know, um, you often learn that your own views aren't as well grounded as you thought they were. And it's important for us to understand that we need to be flexible in our perspectives because sometimes we may uh, totally debunk what we used to believe. And sometimes we may understand that, hey, though I'm saying this, I don't really necessarily agree with all this. You know, a lot of times, especially when we're emotional, we go to great extremes, great extremes. You know, the other thing to open up your communication and make it more positive is to allow your discussion partner to feel safe changing their mind you know um, if you want to be the other person to to open their mind you have to make them feel safe in doing so so the best way to do that is to secure permission for both of you to take things back that means if you've overstated or if you've hurt each other's feelings take things back apologize you know it's more important to take responsibility than it is to espouse your own uh, perspective and you know to that end Say something like, you know, have you ever been in a discussion defending a point and suddenly realized you didn't have much confidence in your own argument, but you kept arguing anyway because you didn't want to lose the debate? 
you know, I want to avoid that if I can. If if we're going to talk about this issue further, I want to feel free to take things back if they don't hold us up. And, of course, I'll give you permission to do the same. Does that sound good? So when you know you're with somebody that has a much stronger opposing point of view, give each other permission because that's going to form a relationship, and that's called humanity. You know, um, validate their experiences and question their interpretations. That means you're engaging their conversation. So validation is simple. I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. And a question their interpretation, that means try to understand their intentions. So what are you intending by taking this perspective? Or how did you develop this perspective? These are great questions. How and what? How and what? When you want to have a good, positive conversation. And you also want to keep focused on the goal. And the goal is the relationship. The goal is a relationship and a bridge of understanding rather than walking away with bitterness. You know, you have to remind yourself, you know, the next time you're in a discussion with someone about a controversial issue such as religion or politics or household chores or dietary doctrine, try to develop and use some skills here. You want to establish a dialogue frame by reminding yourself and your partner about your common humanity. You want to learn their story and tell yours. You want to secure permission for both parties to change their mind. You want to validate their experience and change their interpretations by offering other possibilities. You also want to keep your outcome in mind. And you know, if you do this, more and more of us will stop debating and start dialoguing. You know, that's so sad. If you go turn on television, you see people debating constantly when they're there to often just to have a dialogue. And the sad truth is people that are being interviewed and people interviewing, especially on television where we learn a lot of our debate skills, are simply trying to be right. And they're just espousing a perspective rather than really dialoguing and coming to individual interpretation and understanding. You know, we're walking on this planet. We should want to get knowledge from each other and take notes from each other's books so we can live our life a little better. So effective communication, you know, let's talk about that. You know, everybody communicates in one way or another, but very few people have mastered the skill of truly effective communication. You know, breakdowns in communication occur all too often, and usually this ranges into a lot of social problems, hurt feelings, anger, divorce, and even violence. You know, communication is both expressive, it's message sending, And a a receptive message receiving process is in order. So failure to communicate effectively can be due to a problem of either both ends of the process. But one of the things you really, really, really want to remember is being the listener. Because the listener is the one that controls the conversation. The listener is actually going to be the person who's guiding things. If you are a good listener, you are a very sexy person. Now... You know, effective communications calls for tools. So you make sure you have the attention, first of all, of the person you want to communicate with by establishing and maintaining eye contact. Eye contact pulls down our ability to go, 
into our brainstem, which is where fight or flight is. So we're less likely to get into a major argument because people that argue and people that debate often don't look at each other. They just start talking and their eyes are going everywhere, but they're not really communicating to the person that they're talking to. So when you establish eye contact, you're pulling neurological activity into the prefrontal cortex, which is where our thinking is, and we're more likely to have a better dialogue with the person we're communicating with. You know, you also want to uh, clear, you know, clear messages and you want to make sure we understand those messages. So we need to have verbal and nonverbal recognition, you know, simply nodding our head or saying, uh-huh, okay, I get it. You know, basically by doing that, we're validating their perspective and allowing them to have their perception. We're not agreeing with them. We're just validating you know, and you want to say what you mean and mean what you say. So that means you want to be direct and honest. Don't dance around the issues or play games. You know, people know when you're pausing and when you're lying or when you're not sure about what you're saying by the way you're saying it. You, you also want to ask for feedback to ensure whatever you sent as a message has been received and how it was received. You know, effective, receptive communication is, is, is based on good listening skills. So you want to face the message sender and maintain eye contact. You want to nod, smile, occasionally make affirmative vocalizations or other responses and tell the sender you're paying attention. You want to wait for the person to complete a thought without interpreting to express your own ideas. And if you're not sure you understand the message, ask questions and seek clarification. You also, it's a good idea. A great listener is somebody that paraphrases what they heard to the sender and to be sure they we got the right idea. You know, good listening calls for us to be warm and attentive. You know, people have an instinctive feel for who wants to listen and who doesn't. Unfortunately, most people don't really talk to, but at each other. And I call that job security um, because I get lots of people who have terrible communication and it causes enormous problems in their life, enormous problems. Just their, in their marriage, their inability to communicate with each other and offer these tools to their partner out of resentments for one thing or another calls for them to never, ever solve problems. You also, if you want to be a good listener, you want to show that you are listening. You know, it, it, communication is very dynamic. So, you know, the deal is, unless you show that you're listening, people will lose confidence in whatever it is that they are saying and think you're not interested and grind to a halt. So you'll miss out on all the really interesting, juicy bits that people only reveal once they feel in a comfortable place. So if you're a bad listener, you're going to get a lot of edited stuff. You're not going to get a lot of good acknowledgement. You're not going to have those deep conversations simply because you're not willing to engage someone who's trying to communicate with you. And there's nothing more frustrating than to deal with somebody who is a crappy listener. You also want to check understanding. You want to show that you're on the same wavelength, that you're really getting what is being said, even if it's something you don't agree with. Engage the material. Ask questions. Provide feedback. Empathize with the emotions. And remember, you want to hear their story about how they came to this perspective. You know, to be, be slow to pass judgment. That is another tool of very effective communication. 
the best way to stop someone from self-disclosing or, or, or even just appear to be passing judgment over them. If you're, pass, if you're passing judgment, it's important to disagree with someone. But the deal is if you're labeling them or you're, you're basically judging them or you're just telling them how important it is that you disagree with them, what you're going to find is you're going to have a lot of trouble connecting with people. You know, it does take energy to have conversations, but it can also give you energy to have built a new relationship and a new friendship and a new opportunity in your life. Um, You also want to use silence uh, appropriately. Conversations that don't use silence are hard work and endless drive, and it's not always the best response. You know, for example, some things are so subtle or important or shocking that the most appropriate response can only be an appreciative and understanding silence. Silence also shows acceptance. It also creates intimacy. You know, uh, the thing about silence is it is the most powerful uh, form of communication because it, it's, it's silence gives people power because you don't know what their perspective is. It means that you don't understand them. But silence is also a pause in a conversation that can call for too much energy. And if somebody is an over-communicator, there is nothing in this world more harmful and more difficult to that relationship if one is an over-communicator because they take so much energy just to be around them. You know, you also want to mirror the other person. And what that means is you go to their energy level, you go to their pace of speech. And if you do that, what happens is they come down to you. They'll follow you down once you go to them. If they talk really fast, you want to talk a little faster and then you want to bring it down. Okay. You you know, good talking. You want to convey messages clearly and effectively. That means you think through what you're going to say. You think it through. You don't have this perspective without having some basis of having it. You know, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. It should be clear and as concise as possible. If people get the feeling that you or your messages are confusing or that you're just uh, a small talk to fill up time or embarrassed or ashamed or afraid, they switch off. They label you as a time waster and they shun your company. You also want to use clear unambiguous language. Avoid long, complex, jargon-filled sentences. Keep your message as clear and simple to the point as possible. For example, empty expressions such as uh, best practice or core competencies or evidence-based or moving forward are as pretentious as they are annoying, you know, and almost designed to make you appear like a soulless corporate monkey. You don't want to do that. You also want to use nonverbal methods of communication. Think laterally. Think creatively. Support and enhance your message with nonverbal tools such as a diagram, a PowerPoint, a prop, a presentation, or a video. And a lot of this applies to business, but it also applies to life. A lot of people are visual thinkers, especially children under 10 are very much visual thinkers. And if you give them something visual, you're going to help them understand. 
You also want to use repetition. If you want to be able to be an effective talker, you need to coat back over some of the topics. And that doesn't mean you just beat them down and beat them down. But that means you want to lace them back into your conversation if you're trying to make a point or influence somebody. And once again, you want to check understanding. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the negative and positive uh, communication effects. We're going to talk about how to do it with children. But we also want to talk how it influences our help. All right, tune in and come back. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about positive communication. And, you know, the thing about positive communication that's interesting in mental health is the fact that if you're stuck with depression or anxiety, if you're in a, if you're in a, a depressive state, let's say, then what you want to really focus on is having positive thoughts and positive communication. Um, you know, I had a, a, a chubby little grandmother. She was a, a Cherokee Indian, or at least half. And uh, what she did was she would focus on the positive in people. 
and she would tell them how helpful they are or how kind they are or, or thank you so much. She was very grateful for them or when they communicated a good story, they, she would just be, applaud them. And it's amazing how much people would be influenced by that because she just sat in a uh, rocking chair and basically sat there and rocked, rocked, rocked. But by her doing that, she was a magnet for people and people would just come through her house on a continuous basis. And, you know, she she influenced more people as I watched her growing up than I ever I, I than I ever have seen other people influence. I mean, she without television or radio or all that stuff. But I mean, she truly made an impact on individuals. And she wrote Christmas cards every year to everyone. She took her time with people and that gave her a valuable life. Okay. You know, the effects of negative and positive communication, when we communicate to one another, it sends messages directly to our brain. And by doing that, if we take on a lot of negative, we're going to drive ourselves into depression because you're wiring your brain to be highly emotionally charged and it takes an enormous amount of energy to maintain negativity. You know, broadly speaking, the message will have either a positive or a negative effect. So without doubt, The words that we use can have a huge impact on the overall meaning of a message. However, what's more influential is the tone in which we use when we speak. You know, the body language that we're displaying at the time is a gigantic factor. Therefore, if we're not careful, our communication can be delivered and received in two entirely different ways. And what it basically does, when we receive negative communication from each other, our brain releases a chemical called cortisol. And this chemical is released when we experience uncomfortable situations or when we feel a threat. And its purpose is to alert us to situations which we need to remove ourselves from. And in turn, we become stressed and anxious, our heart rate rises, and sometimes we even break into a sweat. You know, that the way we communicate is so important. We may intend to be positive. However, if it's been received or perceived by others as an entirely different way, this can result in an entirely different outcome that the one uh, the person intended. And in order to communicate effectively, we must be conscious of the tone that we use, the body language that we use when we display and we make facial expressions. You know, strong leaders are very strong masters of this craft. They communicate exceptionally well, inspire people along the way. So you want to ask yourself, why deliver a tough message when you can deliver an inspirational one and still make the same point? You know, your goal should be to leave every person you interact with feeling positive about themselves with dopamine flooding through their brain. Only then will you achieve an outcome, and and that means that you have to be faith-based in your communication. And I'm not talking about religion. What I'm talking about is having faith, having faith in good possibilities, in good outcomes, and focusing on what people's strengths are and how to get to goals that they may not have ever thought they could reach. You know, good communication is a very important uh, parenting skill also. You know, parenting can be more enjoyable when when the parent is positive, you know, The child relationship gets established. Whether you're parenting a toddler or a teenager, good communication is the key to building self-esteem as well as mutual respect. So here's some principles. You want to let the child know that you're interested and involved and that you will help when needed. You also want to turn off the television, put the newspaper down, take your phone down, and when your child wants to talk, talk to them. 
Avoid taking a telephone call when the kid has something important to tell you. Unless other people are significantly meant to be included, hold the conversation in private. You know, the best communication between you and your child will occur when other people are not around. You know, embarrassing the child or putting them in a spot in front of other people's will lead only to resentment and hostility. That is not good communication, and that's not helping a child grow up. That is telling them to basically shut up and do what I say. You know, you don't want to tower over your child. You want to be physically get down on their level and talk with them. You know, if you're very angry about a behavior or an incident, you don't want to attempt communication until you get your cool back because you're training them. Yeah, and you can, you can't be objective when you're emotional and they know that. And that's telling them they have to be very careful with what they communicate to you. So it's better to stop, settle down. If if you're going to take a time out, Take a time out, but make it one minute for every year of your life because taking that kind of a time out as you get older is what it takes for you to calm down. You also want to listen carefully and politely and understand. You don't want to interpret when they're trying to tell their story. As they're in the middle of their story and you hear something alarming, just validate. Remember to talk about it after, but maybe bring it in as a question, but don't interrupt them when they're trying to communicate their perspective. You also want to be as courteous to your child as you would be to your best friend. You know, you don't you don't want to be a wipeout person where they're unraveling minor threads of the story and never really allowing the child's theme to develop. You know, if you're going to pick apart their story and and get it all wired out into where they're not able to communicate their perspective because you keep interrupting, they're never going to be able to form an opinion. And that's a developmental milestone. And you don't want to be the one to stop that. You know, the person who reacts to incidentals of a message while the main idea is being spoken Uh, basically has shut down the conversation. You're basically saying, I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what they're doing, but you better not be elite. You know, you're you're going to be judged. And so that's basically what you're telling them. And kids are not going to communicate to a parent who is judgmental. And uh, you also don't ask why, but ask what. What or how did you form this opinion? When you're uh, conflicted with your child, You don't want to attack the negative thing that they did. What you want to attack is how did they form that idea or what was it they were trying to talk about? What what were they trying to do when they did what they did? What were you thinking? We want to attack the process, not the outcome. That, That is where all intentions are and that's where the land of forgiveness is understanding intentions. If we are good at understanding intentions, we are less judgmental. We are able to have individual conversations about all kinds of different things that we may agree or disagree on. And we're able to have a really good understanding of our child. And we have the grounds of forgiveness for our child. So they know that no matter what mistake they made, we still have grounds for forgiveness. You know, um, keep You you know, don't use put down words or statements like dumb or stupid or lazy, stupid, that makes no sense at all, or what do you know, you're just a child. You'd never want to tell a child that. Those are things that they will remember the rest of their lives, and that forms their opinion of themselves. You also want to assist them with planning specific steps to a solution. You don't want to lead it, though. You want to allow them to take charge. 
And you also want to show that you accept the child themselves, regardless of what they have done or not done. You know, and we want to reinforce keeping the communication open. Do this by accepting them and praising their efforts to communicate with you, even if you didn't like what they had to say. You know, words of encouragement for a child are enormous. Words of encouragement in life are enormous because life is a faith-based venture. That means we take a lot of information in and we make a decision and it's based on faith because it's being influenced. That decision is going to be influenced by enormous amount of things that we don't control. You know, positive thinking and health. You know, we, we positive thinking. You want to stop negative self-talk to reduce stress. It takes a lot of stress to be a negative thinker. You know, positive thinking helps with stress management and can even improve your health. Practice overcoming negative self-talk with examples. You know, you know, is your glass half empty? Ask yourself, is it or is it half full? How you answer this age-old question about positive thinking may reflect your outlook on life, your attitude towards yourself, and what you think, whether you're optimistic or pessimistic. And it may even affect your health. In, 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 some studies show that personality traits such as optimism and pessimism can affect many areas of your health and well-being. The positive thinking that usually comes with optimism is a key part of effective stress management. And effective stress management is associated with many health benefits. If you tend to be pessimistic, don't despair. You can learn positive thinking. And that's what we're going to try to do on the show. Understanding positive thinking and self-talk. Positive thinking doesn't mean that you keep your head in the sand and you ignore life's less pleasant situations. Positive thinking just means that you approach unpleasantness in a more positive, productive way. You're not afraid of it. You think the best is going to happen, not the worst. And that means that we have to embrace conflict. Conflict is a part of relationships. It's a part of life. And a lot of people destroy their marriage and destroy their ability to to actually become a true person by never facing conflict. If you're going to get married, if you're going to have a children, if you're going to have a job, then by God, you better learn how to do conflict. Because conflict means you listen to the perspective of other people and you'd come to conclusions with each other that are acceptable for both of you. And that may be that we simply just don't agree. You know, understanding uh, positive thinking also means that it starts with self-talk. So self-talk is the endless stream of unspoken thoughts that run through your head. These automatic thoughts can be positive or negative. So some of your self-talk comes from logic and reason. Other self-talk may arise from misconceptions that you create because of lack of information. You know, if the thoughts that run through your head are more negative, your outlook on life is going to be pessimistic. If your thoughts are mostly positive, you're likely an optimist and someone who practices positive thinking. So the health benefits of positive thinking basically comes from research, and that is uh, increased lifespan, lower rates of depression, lower levels of distress, greater resistance to the common cold, better psychological and physical well-being, better cardiovascular health and reduced risk of death from cardiovascular disease, better coping skills during hardships and time, low blood, uh, lower blood pressure, 
And it's unclear why people who engage in positive thinking experience these benefits, but there's a lot of theories that having positive outlook enables you to cope better with stressful situations because you're not afraid of them. And it reduces a lot of harmful health effects on stress on your body because those chemicals that get released, uh, adrenaline, cortisol, those things affect our health enormously. So, you know, it's also thought that positive and optimistic people tend to live healthier lifestyles. They, They get more physical activity. They follow a healthier diet. They embrace change. They understand that things have, as we maintain things in our life that are valuable, like our homes, our family, our cars, and we respect those things, that means we're positive thinkers because we we have faith that we're able to make them better. Also, you want to identify, if you want to be a positive thinker, you want to identify negative thinking. You know, and if, if you're not sure if your self-talk is positive or negative, some common forms of negative self-talk are like, flirting. You magnify the negative effects of a situation and filter out all of the positive ones. For example, you had a great day at work. You completed your tasks ahead of time and you were complimented for doing a speedy and thorough job. That evening, you focus on your plan to do even more tasks and forget about the compliments that you received. And and I said flirting. I meant filtering. And also uh, personalizing. When something bad occurs, you automatically blame yourself. For example, you hear that that evening out with friends is canceled and you assume that change in plans is because no one wanted to be around you. That's not a good way to conclude. Also, catastrophizing. This is the other thing, the negative thinking that people do. You automatically anticipate the worst. You drive through the coffee shop, you get your order wrong, and you automatically think the rest of your day will be a disaster because one thing happened. Now you magnify it across the board. You know, you want to, uh, polarizing is another thing that people do with negative thinking. You see things only as either good or bad. Black and white thinking minimizes life to its simplest terms, black and white thinking is highly judgmental and black and white thinking is not very good with forgiveness. And so people that go to extremes of black and white thinking where they just categorize everything don't like life, they don't like conflict, and they don't like hearing an opinion that is different than theirs. You know, you can learn to turn negative thinking into positive thinking. The process is simple, but it makes time. Uh, it takes time and practice, so you, you're, you're basically creating a new habit, and it's, that's exciting. And uh, you want to think and behave in a more positive way so you can influence life and the direction of your life. So you want to identify areas you want to change. If you want to become more optimistic and engage in more positive thinking, first you have to identify areas of your life that you usually think negatively about, whether it's work, whether it's your daily commute, whether it's your, your relationship with your body, whether it's your relationship, you start to take out those negative things and tackle them. You want to be open to humor. You know, give yourself permission to smile or laugh, especially during difficult times. If you see current humor in everyday happenings, when you laugh at life, you feel less stressed. You know, you also want to follow a healthy lifestyle. You want to aim to exercise. 30 minutes, you know, actually 20 minutes of vigorous exercise, I'm talking about cardio, in a day is 60%, 60% of an antidepressant at the lowest dose. 60%. That's just 20 minutes of cardio. It's so sad that some people just can't get off their butt to do that one simple thing for themselves. They'd rather put everybody else in front of them than do for themselves. 
And that is the one thing you have to do. You've got to give to yourself to be able to give to other people. You also want to check yourself during the day. Stop and evaluate. What am I thinking? If you find your thoughts are mainly negative, try to find a way to put a positive spin on them. Or go to a different topic that you have more control over. Um, you also want to pra- practice positive self-talk. So you want to start by following a very simple rule. Don't say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to someone else. Be nice, be gentle, and be encouraging with yourself. If negative Thoughts enter your mind, evaluate it rationally, respond with affirmations of what is good about you, and think about things you're thankful for in your life. Thankful people live wonderful lives. You also want to practice every day. Once you've learned how to have a more positive outlook, you have to reinforce it, reinforce it, because you've created a tape that you're basically following. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about humor. We're going to talk about the value of positive communication uh, as, as to what it brings to our life. Come on back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about the power of positive communication. And negative self-talk is something like this. I've, I've never done it before. It's too complicated. I don't have the resources. I'm too lazy to get this done. There's no way it's going to work. It's too radical of a change. No one bothers to communicate with me. Or I'm not going to get any better at this. Now, a positive thinker, on the other hand, would say it's an opportunity to learn something. Or I'll tackle it from a different angle. Necessity is the mother of invention. I wasn't able to fit it into my schedule, but I can re-examine my priorities and see where I can fit it in. I can try to make it work. Let's take a chance. I'll see if I can open the channels of communication. I'll give it another try. That is a positive person. That means that they are not afraid of failure. You know, humor improves immune cell function. It helps you ward off illnesses. It decreases your chances of cancer. 
And apparently, there, it also increases your chance of living after heart disease hits. Not a bad thing. You know, we'd rather, I'd rather you change your exercise, food, and stress management programs now so heart disease is unlikely, but a lot of people don't do that till they have it. <clears throat> and the chicken or egg thing doesn't bother me at all. You know, f- a physical activity improves mood. It also makes you feel better, and that's great, and it just does. The other side of this two-headed coin is that feeling happier, more optimistic helps motivate you to engage in healthy habits. Uh, You know, a lot of people drink, a lot of people take drugs because they have a lot of negative self-talk within themselves and they're trying to escape themselves to not think at all. And so instead of becoming a positive thinker, they rely on something to take their attention away and reinforce them becoming a monster. You know, how to get on this positive track. It's not like you can go to your doctor and get a prescription for positivity. You know, uh, you have to take the initiative to inject humor in your life. There are some obvious ways and some less obvious ways. First, the obvious ones. You know, uh, if you if you get on uh, like TiVo or if you get on Sirius Satellite, if you get on uh, you know these these shows like uh, the late night shows and all that kind of stuff, record them because those things are going to help you maintain sense of positivity because that humor you can borrow from and introduce into your own life, you know, or you want to read a blog that makes you laugh or hang out with friends who never fail to boost your mood, no matter how much of a you know negative person you are, they still are there to help you. You know, maybe go to the park with your dog or play dress up with your kids or have tea with them or or laugh with them. You know, anything that's going to bring a smile to your face is always good medicine. Some some, uh, less obvious, you know, studies have shown that uh, helping others helps you too. You know, volunteering is a great way to give as much as you can get and you get as much as you give you know practice gratitude which means thinking of writing down the things that you are grateful for in your life positive affirmations remind you of the wonderful things in your life and they make you feel happier and they make you more satisfied but the other thing is positive people are not control freaks they are willing to accept people's perceptions and they're willing to accept only what they control they, they also accept that their job is to influence and not force. You know, the more you do a positive cycle, the easier it gets and the younger you will always feel and look. You know, there are basically two kinds of people, positive thinkers and negative thinkers. But, you know, that's a black and white statement there. But there's a lot of gray in the middle. But people weigh one direction or the other. You know, it, it, negative thinkers te- tend to have a lot of health problems than those people who think positively. You know, the impact of negativity, it's, it's kind of like an addiction. You know, once you start thinking negative thoughts, it's easy to continue filling your head with them. But, but because we have tons and tons of emotions. You know, if you think about it, we have, we go through maybe about 1,000 to 2,000 emotions in a day. But we usually have maybe a hundred thoughts that we ruminate over and over and over again. And if you can get rid of some of those a hundred thoughts that you have every day and you just roll them over in your mind, what you will eventually do is find yourself tilting towards positive if that's the direction you want to take. You know, <clears throat> the worst thing you could do for your health is be a negative person. Negativity and depression go together and there's been tons of studies tons of studies that examine the thinking patterns of people suffering from depression. 
You know, negative thoughts always return, even if people are unable to repress them. Um, Using positive thoughts helps distract from the negative thoughts more effectively. And negativity just makes depression worse. As the negative thoughts accompany the depression, they tend to lead more. And these thoughts can undermine the attempts to, to control the depression. So we spiral down into the depression and we make less dopamine and serotonin in our brain because of these negative thoughts. You know, um, there's the worriers and the non-worriers also, and worriers are so negative. You know, both groups if, if that have been studied, people have been grouped into worriers and non-worriers, and, and you know, the, uh, the 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 performance of those in the worrier group is horrible, horrible. The people that are non-worriers are so much more productive. So, what is a non-worrier? Well, a, a non-worrier thinks about outcomes and thinks how they can influence a positive outcome and that's where they place their energy rather than deriving and and sitting on self-fulfilling negative prophecies which are what worriers do if you want to have a self-fulfilling prophecy like we're going to get a divorce or have you thought about us getting a divorce you're going to have a divorce because eventually you're going to prepare for that outcome with each other if you hear it enough you know negative thoughts and anxiety reduce your cognitive functioning. Also, if you're in pain and you're a negative thinker, you're going to have pain a lot more often. People that have migraines, people that have uh, chronic pain, it gets so much worse because of their negative thought process. You know, if you look at people that uh, are suffering from chronic pain, uh, sickle cell, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, you can see how these negative thoughts influence pain through research, and there's been a ton of it, a ton of it. You know, negativity has a lot of self-talk um, that also reinforces the pain. It also, the worrying about the pain brings on the pain sooner because the brain is spending more energy around it. You know, patients suffering from chronic pain tend to have more negative thoughts during the flare-ups than those suffering from the intermittent pain. And they're also more traumatized by the pain, and therefore, they start to worry more about it. And as they worry more about it, they bring it on more often. So, um, you know, physical symptoms of negativity are very strong. Here's what they are. Muscle tension, muscle pain, headaches, chest pain, reduction in sex drive, libido, sleeping problems and insomnia, digestive problems. Fatigue. Now, here's some emotional symptoms that come from negativity. Mood changes, anxiety, restlessness, irritability and anger, depression, sadness, and a lack of focus and motivation. Now, here's behavioral symptoms of negativity. That is the change in appetite. That is, and that could be overeating for comfort. A lot of people do that. Or undereating because you're stressed. And the abuse of alcohol or drugs. Social withdrawal, outbursts of anger, and also falling back on tobacco or marijuana or a drug. So, you know, negative thinking and stress can really mess with your health. And so it's really important to change your mindset and think positive. When people hear the term positive thinking, most of them automatically think of someone who can only see the good and, all, and not the bad stuff. We're not talking about denial. We're talking about motivating change influencing, trying to create positive outcomes. 
We're not talking about seeing the, 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 the uh, world through rose-colored glasses. It isn't the same as trying to gloss over negative things in your life or ignore your problems. Positive thinking is actually approaching the challenges in a constructive way to where you can influence a better outcome. Instead of getting negative and worrying about a challenge, positive thinking is going to help you approach the problem with an attitude that is, how can I best influence this situation? When you find yourself in a situation, your mind tends to explain it to you. It gives you the explanation of why something has happened. And the way you explain it or the way you come to that conclusion influences how, whether you're a positive or negative person. You know, you you don't want to assume the worst and judgmental people, worriers do that. You know, if you found yourself stuck at an office on a Saturday doing extra paperwork, a negative person will grumble about their boss, have it out for them, and how they always get stuck with the bad job. A positive person will go get the work done because it's something that has to be done, and I'm the one doing it. You know, they just accept. They accept the fact this is the situation in this moment. They don't judge the moment. You know, a positive person doesn't enjoy it. But they're not affecting their stress, their health, and their depression. You know, you want to boost your immunity. If you know that stress reduces your body's natural immunity to disease, positive thinking helps fight the stress, therefore uh, prevents it from messing with your immune system. In fact, positive thinking has actually been found to boost your body's ability to fight off disease. Look at folks that have cancer across the board. One of the biggest things is, is rallying their attitude towards the cancer so that they'll be hopeful for a better outcome and be much more productive. A person that's a worrier with cancer is more likely to self-defeat, try to go back to their own coping skills, and those coping skills may be the very thing that triggered the cancer to come in the first place. You also want to improve your heart health. You know, your heart is surprisingly delicate, you know, considering all the work it does, but it is a muscle, and both stress and anxiety can mess with your heart function. Positivity can actually lower your heart disease, including stroke and heart attacks. So people who think positively tend to exercise more, they tend to eat healthier, and they tend to live happier lives. You know, you want to fight stress. Stress can lead to all kinds of health problems that are caused by stress. Every disease and disorder on the planet is made worse by anxiety and stress. But also, the Human Genome Project broke down the human genes, and guess what? We have one gene of 32 that we all commonly share, and that one gene is a stress gene, and its one job is to trigger whatever our natural exit from life is going to be. If it's going to be heart disease, if it's going to be cancer, if it's going to be diabetes, whatever it's going to be, that stress gene says, I'm sick of it, it's time to go, and bingo, they turn that thing on, and that, that gene turns that disease on, and we fight that disease till the end of our life, and usually it's what takes our life. And so if you want to die younger, get, a stre- get that stress gene stressed out, and you're going to find yourself having very, very struggled, poor life. You also uh, want to tolerate pain. You know, people that understand pain, and understand that they have to live with it, if you can learn to tolerate it, the stress and negativity will be uh, coped with better, and the positive thinking will get you through it in a better way. It also, uh, you know, being positive also prevents a high blood pressure. 
And it's one of the many things that can cause heart disorders. If your heart is beating too hard, it's going to get tired. It's like being on a bicycle for 24 hours or 48 hours. Your your heart eventually is going to say, hey, I need a break. And so if you have high blood pressure, you're basically making that heart work extremely hard. So you want to deal with your problems better. You want to enjoy your life more, develop positive habits, boost your self-esteem. And we want to form very positive relationships. Don't have relationships or allow, even if they're family, even if they're parents, don't allow a negative person have all of the time in your life. If you're around a negative person, they're going to bring you down. And so the deal is don't engage and make friends with people who are negative. If you have that in your life, it's only going to build it up into you. All right. So, you know, are you the kind of person who has a problem with chronic negativity? If your internal thoughts and puts downs and negative, your self-talk is filled with the word can't, then it's time to change. You know, it's, it's time to change. It may sound really simple, but you know that smiling has been scientifically proven to improve your mood and thought patterns. The muscles in your forehead are directly linked to your brain's emotional center, and and uh, uh, creasing them into a frown can make you moody and depressed. Smiling, on the other hand, sends positive, happy thoughts in your mind, and it also communicates positivity to another person. You know, if you are stressed and worried about a situation you find yourself, take your eyes off yourself and start helping someone else deal with their problems. And you may realize that your life isn't as bad as you thought. And so, you know, just like you should uh, surround yourself with positive people, you should also read positive uh, books or quotes or materials, things that are hopeful. So, you know, I'm beating you down with positive, but I'm doing it because I want you to improve your life. That's our show. Our next show is about control freaks. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, being positive may not solve all your problems, but will annoy enough people to make it worth it. Also, if you need to be right, respond, I'd like to agree with you, but we would both be wrong. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.